All right. Hey, everyone. <laughs> so I guess you noticed I'm here. Um, and if you were here last week, you know, I had plans this evening. Uh, I was going to go see Waitress. Uh, it was postponed, they said, uh, because some of the cast has COVID. So uh, that's why I'm here. Hey, Arlene. <laughs> uh, so it's good to be here with y'all. Uh, there's just a couple things I want to share with you first. These are kind of like commercials, I guess, um, about books that I, I, re I recently made available on Amazon that weren't there before. I'm going to share my screen. Uh, the first book is The Teens of Inner Romana in paperback. Um, I've had comments through email several times over the last couple of years that when they go on amazon.com and look for the teachings of inner Romana, it was like 400 and something dollars. <laughs> That's because some used bookstore had it and thought they had something really special because they couldn't find it anywhere else. Um, we had it for sale through the Awakening Together bookstore, but we didn't have it for sale on Amazon. And it's there now. So if you want to order from Amazon, you no longer have to pay 400 and something dollars uh, it's uh, $14.95 for the paperback, or you can get the Kindle version. Uh, if you have Kindle Unlimited, uh, I guess it's free. Uh, but if not, you can buy the Kindle for $4.99. So I just wanted to let you guys know that it was available on Amazon now. Also, this week, uh, we made Thoughts of Awakening. Three whoops, popping back and forth here. Thoughts of Awakening, 365 Thoughts for Contemplation, available in paperback. Um, so that's on Amazon. And then I'm currently working on the Kindle version. Uh, we're working to get that published through Amazon as well. And the price we've put on the Kindle version is $4.99. We just have a few more hoops to jump through in order to get that done. Um, but we're working on that. So I just wanted to share that with y'all. Let's see. So I did receive some questions this week. Uh, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to finish with NTI. There was a little portion of NTI that I started last week uh, when we were talking about the fact that your insights come from within you. Uh, there's not much to finish there, so I think I want to finish that. And then I can go to the questions that I received in email that are related. And of course, we can also take questions here that are related. Does that sound good for everybody? And I'm going to turn off my chat so that I can see more of you all. Still can't see all of y'all, um, but I can see more of y'all. So be aware my chat's not on. Okay, that's important for you to know too, that if you type something in chat, I haven't a clue. All right, so um, I'm on page 247 of the Holy Spirit's Interpretation of the New Testament, NTI. Um, and last week, the last thing I remember reading, which I'm going to read again, was, uh, was this. It's verses 11 to 22. When you search for me, and that's one of the things we're going to have to talk about again is what is that me? In fact, maybe I'll go to that question first. When you search for me without knowing where to look, you can be misled by your own sense of unworthiness. For the unworthiness believed within the mind will tell you that others have what you do not. This may lead you to accept, and this means accept as true. This may lead you to accept what you would not otherwise, which you would otherwise not accept. Do not let the voice of unworthiness fool you. No one has what you do not. Everyone has the same. And I did cover that last week, but I. I just want to um, say again that this spiritual path is your spiritual path. You understand that, right? It's literally all yours. And so it's your intuition you have to follow. Even if your intuition turns out to be a mistake or what some people would call a mistake, um, I can promise you that any mistake you make 
you know, if you're really doing your best to follow your own intuition, any mistake you make is going to be a wonderful learning opportunity that in the end is not a mistake at all, right? You're going to get some kind of insight, some kind of clarity, some kind of of learning out of it that it's not a mistake at all. That's why mistake is sometimes a funny word. In my humble opinion, and notice I did say opinion. In my humble opinion, the only real mistake that you can make on the spiritual path, which in the end, nothing can be a mistake. So this is, again, the fun, the words are kind of funny. But in my humble opinion, the only real mistake you can make on the spiritual path is to ignore yourself and let somebody else's voice have more um, importance than your own. Um, I think uh, this is something Adyashanti teaches as well. Let's see, how is it that he says that? Does anybody remember in the way of liberation? Uh, how is it that Adyashanti says? I know you guys have read this book a thousand times like I have. I don't know why I'm having it. Oh, I should turn my chat on. You might even be answering me. <laughs> don't abdicate your authority. You didn't answer me, but that's what he says, right? You guys have all heard him say that, huh? If, you, if you've paid attention to Adyashanti, don't abdicate your authority. And this is in that little book, The Way of Liberation, where he only gives you like five important keys. You know, and one of the important keys, of course, is your spiritual aspiration. But another one of those important keys is don't abdicate your authority. Um, and I agree 100%, right? Uh, the only mistake that you can make is not listening to yourself. Right to, to let somebody else's voice cause you to go against your own inner intuition, your own feelings. Um, so that's what NTI is saying here. When it says, do not let the voice of unworthiness fool you. No one has what you do not. Everyone has the same. So I guess I'll just pause and see if anybody has a question about that particular point. And if so, remember, because there's so many of you here, I need the little electric hand because if you're on my second page of my screen, I won't see you if you use a physical hand. Jane has a question. Who, Jane? Okay, Jane. Typed it, <clears throat> excuse me, I typed it into the chat. Um, so as a parent, you're led by your children. What's best for your children, where they need to go, what kind of education they need to have. So that's not putting myself first. Okay. Uh, that's you know, the way you ask that question. There's so much in that question. Um, first of all, stumbling block. Yeah. Yeah. No, first of all, first of all, the good news is I was a parent, right? So, so I know how to be a parent with spirit. Um, I did that. Um, so I can speak from experience here instead of imagination. Yay. Um, first of all, you said something about putting myself first. Uh, I didn't use those exact words. I said, listen to yourself. I didn't say put myself first. Those are two different things, right? So that's the first thing I need to clarify. In fact, uh, I will just say briefly, that I will never, ever recommend that you put yourself first. Um, in my humble opinion, again, the purpose of the spiritual path is to let go of yourself. Okay. And you don't let go of yourself by putting yourself first. Okay. Okay. So what I'm talking about is listening to your intuition, trusting right. that inner voice, which is different than the voice that would put me first. They're, they're two different voices. Okay. Okay. My intuition wants peace and quiet, wants to meditate, wants to go to a Buddhist camp. And I have a special needs daughter who's 24. No, 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 no. That's not true. I didn't find that out with my intuition. <laughs> that might actually be your ego, believe it or not. My, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> my intuition didn't say that. In <laughs> fact, um, you know, I, I also had the challenge of wanting, in fact, some of you guys already know this about me, I had the challenge of wanting more time alone, wanting more space for myself. I didn't have a special needs daughter. I do remember your daughter now. Um, I didn't have a special needs daughter, but I did have a daughter 
Um, I had a boyfriend. Uh, recently, I've had a mom. Uh, I've had a dog. Dogs can require a lot of attention. You know, I always had the my ego, okay, always felt like I had all these responsibilities and I couldn't just sit down and do what I wanted to do. Exactly. That ego had to be let go. Okay. Okay. Um, anytime you feel like me is the victim of this, that's ego. Okay. Spirit never, ever, ever gives that message that you're the victim of anything. Okay. So, so I'm talking about following intuition, which is completely different than putting me first. Um, the other thing that you said in your original question was, you know, but you know, you, you need to follow your children. Uh, that's only true. If your intuition says, I found that intuition does not meet personal expectations. So to me, intuition is following my heart's desire. And uh, yeah, one of the things we're going to have to talk about, and I won't be able to do it now, but it is actually next in this book. So maybe we'll start it next week. I need to talk about the difference between ego and spiritual intuition, because I actually don't think everybody's really clear on that. When you say following my heart's desire, uh, depending on some little uh, subtleties, that could be spirit, that could be ego. Okay. Just using those words, I, I can't say. Uh, you know, that's the bad thing about words. One of the things we're going to have to get over this year is words. We're going to have to learn to listen beyond the words, because no matter any words I use, it, they can be heard wrong. They can mean something different to you, right? So um, my life, my dog was so much less words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so that's all the answer I'm going to give for now on that, Jane. I just want to, again, to clarify, because this is all about clarifying the teachings. That did. Yeah. I, I, again, for everyone, though, I will never recommend that you put yourself first. You just won't hear those words coming from me. If you choose to put yourself first, you'll notice I will allow that, right? Like, in other words, I, I won't ever tell you you're wrong, but you'll never hear me recommend it. Okay. Um, it's just not what I found the spiritual path to be about. It also doesn't mean that you become a victim. It just means this is about letting go of the self, about tuning into intuition, about trusting all things, right? It's just about something different than putting yourself first. Um, any other questions about this voice of unworthiness fooling you? All right, then. Let's move on then. I think I was only a couple more paragraphs in this section. I do, like I said, have some questions that came that are related that I want to get to. So starting with sentence seven underneath verses 11 to 22. So as you read and listen to the teachers that cross your path, also feel what they say within. If you are to accept what you read or what you hear, I will tell you from within to accept it. That's such an important phrase, right? You can circle that at NTI if you want to. I will tell you from within to accept it. Again, accept here means accept as true or accept as for you now, right? If you are to accept what you read or what you hear, I will tell you from within to accept it. You will know it is for you because I have told you it is. And I remember telling you guys last week that sometimes when I'm reading, I'll feel like a little tickle in my heart or something, right? And I know, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, this sentence is for you. I swear to you, I have gotten direct guidance from a book, right? I'm sure some of you guys have too. Just as if, you know, just as if God had walked right up to me face to face and said, hey, here's some guidance for you. I mean, that that direct, but it came from a book. So again, if something is for you, you will know it if you're staying tuned in to your own inner feelings as you're reading. So if you are to accept what you read or what you hear, I will tell you from within to accept it. You will know it is for you because I have told you it is. If you do not feel an internal confirmation, 
to pay attention and accept what you read or what you hear, you may let it go. It may not be for you or it may not be for you now. You know, that's an interesting, an interesting point too. It could be that it's not for you at all, but it also could be you just aren't to that point yet, right? And so for you right now, it's a distraction. A year from now, five years from now, you could be guided to it and now it's for you, right? But spirit or you know, inner intuition, I find, is very focused on now very focused on what's best for you now. It's not like the mind who wants to learn everything, right? It's much more precise, much more focused, much more in that way, narrow. You know, Jesus talked about the narrow road to heaven, right? And that's why, again, I don't know if you remember, but last week we talked about, you know, not reading all the books, not listening to all the teachers, not going to all the retreats, right? Again, spirit is much more focused and it will, if you're really paying attention to intuition, you'll be guided into a much more narrow set of material or teachings at one time. And then as you finish with that, you will be guided into something else, but it's not trying to give you everything all at once. That's what the mind wants to do. Now, the last paragraph that I plan on looking at right now, starting with sentence 12, do not make the mistake of judging messages or teachers that are not for you. They may be perfect for someone else, or they may be perfect for their own development at this time. Um, If you're paying attention to your inner intuition, you will get no in some way. You're like, no, you know, that's not for you. No, don't listen to that. You know, you might even ignore that. You might ignore that. Um, But then what the ego wants to do on top of that is judge that, right? I mean, to the ego, everything's good or bad. So if I'm receiving guidance to ignore that teaching, that must be a bad teaching. That must be a bad teacher, something like that. And and this is saying, that would be a mistake to judge it. All I'm saying is it's not for you, or maybe it's just not for you now, right? Um, But in some other way, it's perfect. You know, one of the things I talked about last week, just very briefly, um, was cults. And we all know that that cults exist. And sometimes, you know, people are harmed through cults, right? But in the eyes of true wisdom, everything is always perfect, which means everybody that's involved in that type of a situation is learning whatever it is they need to learn, even if they spend their entire lifetime there learning it, right? In the eyes of true wisdom, nothing is bad. So when we judge something and we say that's bad, that shouldn't have happened, he shouldn't do that, she shouldn't fall for that, um, we're in our wrong minds. So one of the things we talked about last week, in fact, I think Michelle is the one that brought it up. We talked about listen to inner wisdom, disregard ego, right? So in effect, you're really only doing two things. You're listening to inner wisdom and you're disregarding everything that isn't that for you right now. You're not judging it. You're not making decisions about it. You're not analyzing it. If it's not for you, then just don't give it your attention. End of story. Simple, simple. Let me finish reading the paragraph and I'll see if there are any questions. I'm going to start again at the top of the paragraph. Do not make the mistake of judging messages or teachers that are not for you. They may be perfect for someone else, or they may be perfect for their own development at this time. Trust in me and remember, all things work together for God. See, that that statement is pointing out that, again, there is no bad. There is nothing wrong, right? Everything is perfect, even if you don't see it or understand it. Trust in me and remember all things work together for God. Then go where you are to go 
and accept what you are to accept by following the guidance and knowing that leads you from within. Trust yourself for in trusting you, you trust me. So as I mentioned last week, the reason I wanted to start with that is because as far as I know, you know, I don't know anything. I could get hit by a beer truck tomorrow, but as far as I know, I'm going to go through the next year uh, clarifying the teachings as they come through me. That's the phrase that I started off by emphasizing, as they come through me. The only thing I know for sure is that the teachings that have been given me are perfect for me. Do you hear that? I don't know a damn thing about you. That's your job to know. All right. So the only thing I know for sure is that the teachings that come through me are perfect for me. And I'm very happy to spend a year clarifying them. Um, and maybe some of this will be helpful to you. But you, again, need to find your path from within yourself. You need to find your answers, your insights, even your questions from within yourself. Remember what we saw last week that, you know, when you're listening to a teacher, don't expect the teacher to give you more than she can give you, right? So that's the, the first thing that I wanted to clarify before we get going, just so you guys know where you stand. I don't know how many teachers, well, I started to say, I don't know how many teachers begin by telling you what I'm telling you, but you know, Buddha said it, right? Buddha said, or at least Buddha is, is quoted to have said, don't believe me, right? That meant that's three words of everything I just said in an hour last week and the first 23 minutes of this week, right? Don't believe me, right? And that way, Buddha was much more succinct than I. Sometimes, however, though, I think Buddha was more verbose. So, you know, <laughs> not all the time more succinct. So, again, any questions about who is the leader of your awakening? Cindy has her hand up. Who? Cindy. Go ahead, Cindy. And, and I could feel the resistance wanting to drop the hand, but Sinus saw it a few minutes ago. Good. And this is the way the question came up for me. So this is the way I'll share it. I, I can feel when I get clarity. I can feel inner guidance. And I can clearly hear the ego's voice. What's been happening, especially since I've dropped into a deeper level of commitment, is resistance. Mm -hmm. And that seems to cloud it. I was telling people who have seen soul, it sort of feels like there's this trampoline that shows up. Like I could hear that inner guidance wants to tell me something, but I can't drop in. I just sort of bounce off. And so when, when I raised my hand, there was this visual of resistance being a third voice, but I, well, I, I'm going to leave it, that question out there and I can tell like the body just, the temperature of my body just went up like 15 degrees. I've started to sweat <laughs> asking the question. So resistance seems to be high or something. Well, uh, if I can remember all three of these things, because they all came to me like at once, I'm not very good. Maybe I should write them down for my own information so I can go back to them. There were three things that came to my mind. The first one was the answer to great resistance is great willingness. The second one was about the echo in the cave. And the third one was about what follows resistance. So there, I wrote them all down. So those are my own notes. Because <laughs> my mind doesn't last very long. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. Okay, so the first thing, um, you know, I also had great resistance. I know that sometimes when I talk to people, people have these fantasies about, you know, Regina and how much easier it was for her and et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. Um, you know, I had great resistance, 
Um, in fact, when I scribed in TI, if you were to look at the actual notebooks, you'll see there were entire paragraphs after I scribed them that I scratched out uh, because I had so much resistance to what I received. And in fact, uh, the first time I typed up NTI, I received it and I typed it up as it came and posted it. This was before Facebook. So I posted it back then in the Peace of God Yahoo group. But when I posted it up, posted it originally, there were things that were different. Either I changed it because I couldn't accept what I received or I had skipped paragraphs, scratched out paragraphs and not typed them up. So after I finished NTI, the guidance I received was to invite two other people to my house. One was a Buddhist nun, and then the other one was a course student from Canada uh, to invite these two people to my house. And the three of us sat down and uh, go over my notebook compared to what I had typed up. And whenever what I typed up was different from my notebook, to put what was in my notebook back in. So the published NTI is actually correct. But the point of, of telling you that is just to say, there was great resistance. I had great resistance, right? Great resistance. Um, so what spirit told me whenever I experienced great resistance, and this is in NTI Luke, was that the answer or the antidote, I don't remember the exact words, but the response for great resistance was great willingness. And again, what that meant for me was to shift into contemplating my true desire or what I often now call my spiritual aspiration. I borrowed those words from Adyashanti. I, before reading The Way of Liberation, I used to always just call it my true desire. And that as I spent more time focusing on my true desire, contemplating my true desire, that I would be able to either move through the resistance or the resistance might even melt away. So that was one of the first things that I was taught. The answer to great resistance is great willingness. I think one of the mistakes that sometimes people make is trying to fight their resistance. But if you think about fighting, fighting is a type of resistance, right? Resistance plus resistance equals more resistance. You see? So, so instead of fighting your resistance, instead of struggling against your resistance, you merely shift your attention to your, to your willingness, your true desire, your spiritual aspiration, right? And let it do its magic. Let it do its thing. Uh, even though I experienced resistance while writing NTI, <laughs> I experienced far greater resistance while writing the teachings of Inner Ramana. Sometimes writing the teachings of Inner Ramana felt like um, somebody was peeling the skin away from my body. Um, I used to hear stories about, uh, you know, people reading the course and they'd hit, they'd have some kind of resistance and they'd throw the course across the room. You know, I never did anything like that, but I did with inner Ramana. Well, with the notebook that inner Ramana was arriving in, I thrown it across the room. So, so the resistance was probably at least 10 times higher, you know, just to make up a number that paints a picture. So when I asked Inner Ramana about this resistance, Inner Ramana gave me the image of shouting into a cave. You know, when you shout into a cave, you hear an echo, right? If I say, hello, you hear, hello, 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 right? So, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting because what Inner Ramana said to me when I started asking about the resistance, the first sentence that came was, be gentle with yourself. And I actually expected, I think I was having resistance to surrender at the time because, you know, Inner Ramana asked you to always say, what am I to do now? Right. And I think that's what I was resisting. And, um, and so when Inner Ramana said to me, be gentle to yourself, I expected it to say, so don't worry about surrender right now if that's too hard on you. <laughs> it's not what it said. It said, be gentle on yourself and do it 
anyway. And then it gave me the image of shouting into the cave. And basically what it taught me was if the resistance comes, like I don't want to surrender or I don't want to meditate or I don't want to whatever, and I listen to it, it's like I just shouted into the cave, I believe you resistance. I believe you resistance. I believe you resistance. And what I get from that is the echoes of more resistance. And I don't actually make progress. So what Ramana told me was be gentle with yourself and do it anyway. Because when you do it anyway, whether that's surrender anyway or meditate anyway or whatever, when you do it anyway, you are not shouting into the cave. And so eventually the echoes will stop, which means the sense of resistance will die. And what you once had great resistance to, you no longer will. Now, sometimes people might ask, well, what's the difference between fighting that resistance and doing it anyway? And the answer is attitude. That's the answer. Attitude, intention, motivation. Um, one of the most important things on the spiritual path is to watch where you are coming from. Because where you are coming from has great power. So you can do the same thing out of fear or do it out of willingness. And in effect, it will have two different results based on whether you did it out of fear or did it out of willingness. So what this means is when Inner Ramana was teaching me about shouting into the cave and telling me to do it anyway, it wasn't really saying, although some people may misinterpret it this way, it wasn't really saying, even if you don't want to meditate, go meditate, force yourself to meditate. It wasn't saying that because that wouldn't work. It was saying, understand what you really want. Ask yourself, do I want more resistance or do I want to be able to get to the point where I'm willingly following these teachings? Know yourself and follow that. And this would be the true interpretation of follow your heart, right? So take a moment to know yourself first. So sure, there's resistance sitting here telling me I don't want to meditate. Or there's resistance here telling me I don't want to surrender or whatever. Ask, is that true? Right? Is that my true voice? Is that really what I want? Or is this just the voice of ego, right? Pause, look at it, know yourself, and then do what you really want to do. It's kind of the same as the message, uh, the love of discipline. I think it's funny. I told you guys that Ellie never does this in out thing. And now she's starting. And I heard the video, you, I mean, the audio you played last week, Sina, right after I quit teaching and Janie needed to go outside. So <laughs> my dogs are they have, they must have resistance. They have to get away from the teaching. Um, let me just read some of the love of discipline to you. I have the teachings of inner Ramana right here. Cause this is one of my favorite messages. It's so beautiful. Uh, inner Ramana says today, I will talk about discipline. Discipline is a dirty word to the mind. It screams lack of freedom, <laughs> control, and it extends ideas of being forced to do things you do not really want to do. Like I don't want to meditate or I don't want to surrender or whatever, right? But I ask you to look at the idea of discipline again and ask, who is the eye that has these ideas? Who is the eye that feels beaten down by the idea of discipline? So really inquiring, you know, we, we tend to accept, I don't want to meditate, right? Well, is that true? Did you look? Is that true? Right? Take the time to look and ask and figure out what's you, what's the false self. This is what it's recommending. And Ramana continues, right now, it is as if two eyes, not, not this kind of eye, but you know, like the letter I, right? 
Right now, it is as if two eyes live within you. It is time we begin to look at these two eyes now. One eye is the false thought, the false idea of who you are. The other eye is best described now as your true heart. One reason for learning the difference between these two eyes is so you can learn to distinguish the difference between the eye that speaks for what you want and the eye that sounds like you, but in truth is an imposter. So you see, we have to figure out who we are. Let's look again at the idea of discipline. I have told you that discipline means consistency. You know that you want the consistent experience of God without end and without distraction. And of course, again, this book is talking to me, but Cindy, how does that feel for you? You know that you want the consistent experience of God. Does that feel true for you? It is true. Okay, I thought so. I wouldn't ask if I didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't put you on the spot. All right, so you know what you want. You know that you want the consistent experience of God without end and without distraction. And you also know the consistent practice brings this experience. So you see, you love it, right? You love discipline. You love practice. You are grateful for it. You want with your whole heart to embrace it. It's the false eye that wants to throw this idea away. It's the false eye that resists and tells you that you hate discipline. This is why it's helpful to question the false eye thought that poses as you. This thought is literally an obstacle to the experience of the true self. This false identification is everything that stands in the way of you knowing you. And if you continue to listen to it and continue to believe it as if its statements are your thoughts, then you continue to miss out on the experience of your truth. The I thought must be questioned and it must be seen that this thought isn't you. So you see, it's really interesting. It's not true. I don't want to meditate or I don't want to surrender. See, this is what we have to take the time to pause and look at. That's the ego. That's not me. And then the message says, let's talk about the love of discipline. I love, I love this part. Listen to this. Discipline is like a roadway lined with beautiful flowers and trees and green pastures to a destination that is literally more beautiful than your imagination. Who wouldn't want to take this road? And as they travel, embrace every moment of the beautiful and amazing journey. This is discipline. It is consistently applying your devotion. Now this next sentence is my very favorite sentence. Okay, listen to this definition of discipline. It is lovingly loving your love. That's discipline. It is lovingly loving your love. With it staying in touch with your heart, it's staying in touch with what you really want and giving yourself that. It is giving yourself exactly what you want. Questioning the I thought that disagrees with discipline is like checking the map to make sure you don't leave this lovely road for a dry and dusty and bumpy one that heads off into the desert away from the lusciousness of your love. Now, here we go, Jane. This is the proper definition of follow your heart. Follow your heart is more than just a saying. When you can hear your true heart calling, following your heart is literally following a beacon home. And it will lead you there straight away if you remember that the beacon and the true I are one. So that was the second note I made when you know, mentioned resistance, right? The first one was 
that the answer is great willingness. The answer to great resistance is great willingness. And then the second was don't believe it, but again, not in a resisting kind of way because resistance plus resistance equals resistance by taking the time to look. Is this really what I want? Do I, you know, and I don't know what you resist, but I'll just use meditation as an example. Let's just imagine that you know that you have guidance to meditate, but every day you find something else to do every day you're not doing. Do I really want to continue to avoid this guidance? You, you pause and you look and you ask until you get in touch with yourself, right? The third answer that came to my mind very quickly uh, was one thing I've learned about resistance. Often when the greatest resistance comes up, the greatest breakthrough is just beyond it, right? So literally, you know, there's something right here for me and the resistance is putting up a wall to try and keep me from continuing into that insight, that clarity, that shift, that whatever. So one thing that I have learned is that when resistance gets really big, I say, actually, oh, good, something's coming. But I don't let the resistance stop me, you see. If I let the resistance stop me, then I don't find out what the oh, good, something's coming is. So I have to move through the resistance. You know, Shauna and George, and I can't remember who else was there, but in August saw me experiencing great resistance, right? Because I received some guidance through a book, through a book to prepare myself for a shift. And there was great resistance. I mean, my ego was swearing. It was screaming at me. It was saying, no, no, no. And I just looked at it. I shared it, you know, and I went right on with what I knew the guidance was you know, just kept moving. I said, yes, anyway, is really what happened. I said, yes, anyway. So I think George and Shauna can tell you that I definitely experienced resistance. But I'm so glad I said yes, anyway, instead of believing the resistance. And that was one of the loudest resistances I've experienced in years. So those are my three answers. Great willingness, Think about the echo in the cave. Do you really want to shout that echo? I believe you resistance. And then remember that if you can move on through, there's always something good waiting on the other side. That's why, that's why it's there. It's trying to stop you. Don't you want to find out what it's trying to keep you from? Thank you. Welcome. Okay, Michelle, thank you for your patience. So for me, it's fear that I feel keeps trying to stop me. And the way that it comes up is that I'll sit and ask for guidance and um, not get, not receive something that I can really distinguish as guidance, which then leads to a sense of frustration because it's kind of immobilizing in that that's where the fear is. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Okay. I want to, I want to do the right, you know, I want to do this, the, what guidance would have me do. Right. I'm not hearing guidance. And then I, and then I do, I feel immobilized and I get very frustrated and I kind of feel like I just spin with that. Yeah. It's possible that you're um, expecting something from guidance that guidance won't give, won't give. Um, uh, for example, answers in the world sometimes. I mean, it's not that guidance doesn't guide in the world, but guidance won't give answers in the world when you're looking for an answer to make you feel better, for example. Remember, uh, guidance is here to lead you away from who you think you are. And we, all, we often want guidance to lead who we think we are. It doesn't do that. So where I need some clarity is, especially because I'm working with inner Ramana right now. So the question that we're to ask a thousand times a day is what would you have me do now? And he's yeah. literally saying, ask me in everything. What would you have me eat? What would you have me wear? Yes. Okay. So to me, that's the kind of guidance that I'm referring to is. Okay. Right. And you have a problem you know, and you're asking it to give you answers. Right. Right. And am I to ask, 
literally expect an answer a thousand times a day. Like I'm not clear on that when it's saying literally ask this a thousand times a day. Yeah. Should I yeah. be expecting to hear something? Maybe I won't hear something. Feel something. Right. Uh, yeah. I can tell you what I was taught about that, which maybe is important, maybe isn't important. But for example, if I ask, um, what am I to do now? And there's this feeling to go do the dishes, um, then just go do the dishes. Um, for example, if I start asking, which dish do I pick up first? You know, that's too, too small, right? right. So you know that, right? So right. It, 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 it's guidance, do that, and then ask for guidance again. Um, some of the obstacles that got in my way when I was learning guidance, and again, I mentioned this was a really big, big part of my uh, resistance. This is when I was writing in a Romana. I had ideas in my mind about what guidance would and wouldn't guide for. For example, uh, it seemed to me that guidance might say, go meditate. Guidance wouldn't say, go mow the lawn. Um, and I, I had to get over those ideas. I had to get over ideas that some things were holy and some things were not holy, right? I mean, guidance even tells me intuition is what I mean by guidance. When to put the book down and go pee. Because if you notice, sometimes you're still reading the book or you're still doing whatever you're doing, but you really have to pee. And there's a resistance that's starting to build up in your body because you're ignoring that you have to pee. Guidance is kind of often will just say, you know, just go pee and come back, right? So guidance is, is, is very simple. And where we sometimes mess it up is by trying to make it um, holier than simple, right? It's very simple. So, so look and see where you might have ideas about what guidance is and what guidance isn't. Um, and, and see if you can remove some of those obstacles and just realize that the intuition we're looking for right now, when we're asking, what am I to do now? All we're looking for is an intuition that's guiding us as to what to do so that we aren't thinking about it. That's the only purpose of that guidance. It's not really that mowing the lawn is more important than doing dishes or vice versa. It's not that. It's just that we're in the habit of thinking and analyzing, like we might decide to mow the lawn because the neighbors will see and, you know, I'm embarrassed and that's why I'm making that choice, right? Uh, instead of making choices out of that kind of mind, we're just being guided and trusting. Okay, go mow the lawn. Okay, go do the dishes. Okay, you know, go watch TV. You know, like it, it's just simple, but it's keeping us from thinking. We're learning not to think and not to make our own decisions. Okay, so that's a really big distinction, the learning not to think and making the decisions, right? And the simplicity of that, because typically my mind would be planning everything. Right, that's right? the purpose of this type of surrender is to get right. out of that mind. Uh, you know, the way the course would word it is that you're letting um, God or Christ order your day or the Holy Spirit order your day instead of you ordering your day. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Marisol. Hi. Hi. So in reference to um, guidance, how do you know when you're, how can you be able to tell when you're fooling yourself or when you're not fooling yourself, if it is coming from guidance or is it really coming from ego? Is there um, because it doesn't necessarily come in like words sometimes it's just a feeling it's usually yeah. in my chest I feel it in my chest but um, sometimes I don't know like um, I'm going through a difficult situation right now with a family member and um, I'm feeling guided to do what may not necessarily be considered the loving thing to do um, which is kind of separating from this person um, for a bit, but it just feels right in my heart. So I can trust that, right? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I would say, here's what I would say, especially about the act of learning to follow guidance. First of all, to my knowledge, 
none of us have ever learned anything without screwing up along the way. So one thing we can kind of expect ourselves to do is make some mistakes. And guess what? You learn from them too. So one of the things that can, believe it or not, keep you from learning to follow guidance is the fear of making a mistake. So you just have to say, you know what? Sometimes I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to try my best anyway, you know? And, and then that's what you do. So then after that rule is laid down, I, I used to call these things rules, rules that I lived by, right? That helped me. So this was a rule. I'm not going to worry about making a mistake. I'm just going to do my best. That's rule one. Rule number two is, if you can identify it as ego, then that's not guidance. Let it go. That's not what you want. But if you can't absolutely identify it as ego, if you really aren't sure, if it feels the best to you now, then go ahead and trust it. Right? Your intention is so powerful. If your intention is to learn to, to follow the guidance of the right mind, you will. But like I said, you'll probably make some mistakes along the way, but that's a part of the learning process. So you just hold that intention. This is my intention. You know, and, and again, that's very different than the intention to get my way, right? And you know that. So you just hold the intention to follow guidance. You pay attention and you do your best. And you know what happens when you do your best, your best gets better. Uh, you know, there's a line somewhere in, in NTI where it talks about, don't worry about your guidance. Notice that you're worrying right now, right? Worry needs to be let go of, <laughs> right? Worry comes from the ego. So instead of worrying about guidance, notice, oh, look, I'm worrying and, and let go of worry. And then just trust what feels best to you. And don't ever worry about perfection. There's not a perfect human on the planet, right? Just trust what feels best to you and, and stay with that intention and you'll go far. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Tell you what, I want to get to, I only have seven minutes left. And I want to get to at least one of the questions that was written in. I, I won't be able to cover them all. Look at them all. <laughs> so um, but I want to cover one that just has been coming up in my mind that I need to look at. Um, okay, it says, I have valued your teachings for many years. In Sunday's talk, you describe the I am as not a being, but rather as a live but empty container. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that's not exactly what I said. Um, so I want to go back and say what I said. I was talking about the me here, you know, in, in NTI, so we'll say things like, listen to me, trust me, right? <laughs> Have faith in me. You know, what the heck is this me? That me I referred to as the Holy Spirit. And I said, the Holy Spirit is not a being. I do not equate the Holy Spirit and the I am as the same thing. So the question is using the words I am saying you describe the I am as not a being. First of all, I just want to say, I didn't say that. I didn't even mention the I am last week. So one thing I want to point out is that sometimes our mind is doing some interpretation, like the idea that the Holy Spirit and the I am are the same thing. And, and, and they're not, at least not in my language, not in the way I teach. So a part of this is correct, just not all of it. It says that uh, you said that the I am is an alive but empty container. Now, I didn't use the word I am. I used the word consciousness. And I said, consciousness is an alive but empty container. You know that, and so that we could also say the I am there. The I am is an alive but empty container. That would be okay. But what I was talking about, the energy within the container that I said is not a being that people often call the Holy Spirit, that's actually something different, right? So you have the empty container, 
the I am. And then within the I am, you have these two primary energies, one of which I'm referring to as the wrong mind, just using coarse language. And the other one I'm referring to as the right mind using coarse language. But neither of those are the I am. Those are energies within the I am. You are the I am. And these are energies within you. You see? So I just don't want, what I don't want to happen is to get um, the I am and the Holy Spirit confused. In fact, I remember I told a story last week about how the gophers in my yard and how I had the wrong mind telling all these fear stories about the gophers, the right mind guiding me to breathe, rest, accept, and trust. And then I noticed that I, the I am, was aware of both of them, right? So you are the I am. You are the empty container. The, what people often refer to as the Holy Spirit is within you. We could even say right now that it's an option within you, right? You have the option of listening to the Holy Spirit or the option of listening to the wrong mind, which is typically called the ego. So is that, first of all, is that part clear for everyone that's here? That I do not equate the Holy Spirit to the I am. Okay. Okay, so continuing. Um, I have valued your teachings for many years. In Sunday's talk, you described the I am as not a being, but rather as an alive, empty container. I realize words are inadequate, but this is how we communicate. In the discussion about right and wrong mind, you speak of having awareness about which one you want to pay attention to. You also mentioned disregarding wrong mind, finding your way on your path, not expecting from teachers what they cannot give you, et cetera. Since all that is, is undivided, who or what is the you that could choose to want to focus attention? That's consciousness. That's the I am, not the person really. The person, it's so funny because you know when you think you're a person, you don't see the difference between consciousness and the person. The person is just a little robot. The person is just going to follow or manifest as whatever you're placing attention on. It's the effect of the attention, right? But you are consciousness. Consciousness, awareness, attention are all kind of the same thing, right? So if you just look at attention for a moment, you know, like maybe taking a moment to pay attention to your hands and then take a moment, pay attention to your feet And then take a moment, pay attention to your belly. And now look at that attention. Isn't that just awareness or consciousness? Wasn't awareness or consciousness focusing on your head, your feet, your belly? You see? That's, that's you. That's you, not this body, not this brain, not these thoughts, that consciousness. And absolutely, you can direct consciousness. You just did. You directed consciousness to your head. You directed consciousness to your feet. You directed consciousness to your belly. You can direct consciousness into egoic thoughts. You can direct consciousness into right-minded thoughts. You can even direct consciousness onto consciousness, which we call awareness, watching awareness, meditation. So who is the you? The you is consciousness. 
consciousness directs consciousness and that's your truth at least at the level of um, the second principle of god which i haven't gotten to yet i realize so the one freedom that you always have that can never be taken away from you is where you direct your consciousness now what happens uh, oh shoot i'm over time should I shut up, Sina? Is there some, is there's a program after me. I got to shut up, guys. If it was just a Regina recording, I'd keep talking, but it's not. It's Yolanda. So um, I'll come back next week and I'll start with this question and we'll go further into it. But this week, pay attention to the fact that you direct attention because you are consciousness. And I'm sorry, Yolanda. I love you. You look beautiful. <laughs> Bye.